Hello, everyone. This is uh, Dr. Mohamed Allo. I'm a cardiologist and a certified personal trainer. Uh, we're going to be talking about weight loss for busy, busy physicians. These are my two websites listed uh, at the bottom here. You're welcome to go to them and contact me if you want to afterwards. I'm sure you'll have plenty of questions, but we don't have that much time. So we're going to jump uh, right in. Um, so first of all, I have no disclosures. No one pays me to talk about any of this. Um, objectives are to uh, describe basically everything we know about uh, obesity, the history of it, and how we can lose weight even if we are super busy. Um, and then what kind of weight loss works? Does all this fad stuff really work? Intermittent fasting, keto, low carb, no carb, whatever it might be, and why people fail and how we can alleviate that, and then maybe even impart some of this onto our patients. Now, normally this is like a three-hour lecture, so we're going to try to fly through. If you're like any uh, physician like me, this is probably what your schedule looks like. It's super busy from the moment you wake up until the moment that you uh, go to go back to sleep at night. You are busy doing all kinds of uh, crazy stuff, including prior authorizations and calling insurance companies, which I forgot to put in there. But notice 12.15 to 12.17, you inhale your lunch, if you even have two minutes. So if you think back to medical school, we did not receive proper training in nutrition and weight loss and all that kind of stuff. We are not registered dietitians. We're not nutrition coaches. We don't know really how to lose weight. We just repeat some of the same stuff we hear uh, online. Um, the next few studies show that we have a deficiency in our uh, training on this. Um, multiple, multiple studies. All the links are in the slides. You can download them or request them from me, and you're welcome to read all these uh, studies on your own. Um, but almost all these studies show that there's literally no or very little training. Now, you may have had an exception, so we're not going to deal with those. Um, this is actually from Circulation, talking about the future of cardiovascular education and training. And if you look at this article talking about how we should train our fellows, for me at least as a cardiologist, there's literally no mention of fat, obesity, weight loss, or anything like that. So no matter... Regardless of how bad the obesity epidemic, pandemic crisis is, we have zero intentions of trying to train physicians how to treat uh, overweight patients. I do have a three-hour lecture uh, on YouTube. If you go to drallo.tv, it'll take you to that. I have a three-hour lecture on training physicians how to train their patients to lose weight properly. Um, this we can skip. So this is a Dunning-Kruger effect. This is very important. A lot of times somebody will read one single article and think they know everything or read one book and think they know everything about a topic. You'll see that their confidence is super, super high after they read one thing. But as they start to learn more and more, their confidence goes down and then eventually they do really become uh, an expert. So what is the secret to weight loss? I get asked this all the time. There really is no secret. There's no magic pill. There's no magic system formula how do you lose that belly fat you know you see all the stuff on these books that people are trying to sell there really is no magic to it um we do need to differentiate between weight loss and fat loss you don't want to just lose weight a lot of people that go on like a really low carb diet will lose a lot of weight up front but a lot of it is muscle glycogen and water and whatnot um, not a lot of it is fat loss in the beginning I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those kind of diets. We'll get into that. But we want to differentiate. We want to lose fat. We don't want our patients to lose muscle mass. You can lose a lot of weight by losing muscle. So we're going to try to protect lean body mass while losing just fat, if possible. And it is, and we'll see why. Me and my kids, the habits that you start with them uh, as children will uh, hopefully carry on to the adulthood. Um, no children were harmed in the making of this, but they imitate you. She saw me lifting 90 pounds and planking. She did the same with two and a half pounds, two of them. Um, this is me uh, when I decided to become a certified personal trainer and lose a ton of weight and become a bodybuilder and whatnot. Um, definitely the education that I got becoming a certif certified personal trainer, even though it was in the last year or two, definitely helped shape a lot of the uh, stuff that I've been lecturing about. A lot of it I knew, but a lot of it really uh, helped change some of that. So yeah, this is actually truly me. Um, the scope of the problem is very, very huge. And like I said, we're going to skip through these. You already know this, you're physicians. Um, even children are obese now. These numbers are even higher. It's 80% of adults and 42% um, of adults are considered obese now. Um, these you've seen all over the you know CDC websites. People get more and more and more overweight. You'll notice here the extreme obesity at the bottom has uh, stayed about the same. However, the overall obesity has continued to climb. Um, and same thing you'll find in children. Now, the funny thing is that gym memberships, if you look over here, the blue line has actually gone up. Um, and it's also a recession-proof industry. If you look at the years, it continues to climb um, members as well as new health clubs. And again, again, I said it's a recession-proof industry. No matter what the economy is doing, they keep going up and improving. 
Um, so this is just some statistics on how many people are dieting at any one time, how much money we spend on dieting, why it's not been working, and, and people. The funniest thing is here at the bottom, Americans spend $50 billion a year on weight loss products, programs, and pills. And unfortunately, there's no real fat burner or anything that you can actually buy that works. So the cost of obesity, you guys know this, it literally affects almost everything uh, that there is. Um, from from cancers to osteoarthritis, diabetes, heart disease, joint joint issues, gallbladder, whatever it is, lots and lots of costs. You guys know all this stuff, all the different medical complications of obesity. There are some medical complications of obesity no one talks about, like not fitting in an airplane, not fitting in a treadmill for a stress test or CT scan or MRI. Um, all of that stuff is usually not counted, but it does um, count. Most diets fail, you know, you know the statistics, only about 5% of people after five years have actually kept the weight off. Um, so we don't generally have a weight loss problem, we have an adherence or a weight regain problem in the United States. There are a lot of studies that support that, like I said, if you download my slides, all of the studies are live links, you can click on them. Um, so is it a simple question of just, you're eating too much? Yes and no, um, some of it is, some of it isn't, we'll get into that. So the best studies that are done on weight loss are things we call metabolic ward studies. Parents, participants are locked in a ward. It's kind of like a jail. They drink something called doubly labeled water, um, which is like H2O2. Your intake and output can be accurately measured. You can quantify your basic metabolic rate, calories in, calories out, total daily energy expenditure, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, and exercise and um, uh, um, the amount of energy burned eating food, the thermic, thermic effect of eating food. Um, so what is more important? I usually ask my uh, live audiences this. What's more important, diet or exercise? About 30% raise their hand for exercise, or for diet, about 40 to 50% raise their hand for exercise, and then some are like non-decided. Um, the fact of the matter is, based on a lot of almost every study that has been done, is that the only way you can lose weight is really to diet. Exercise helps with a lot of things, and we'll get into that, but if you want to lose weight, you have to diet. So here's a uh, something that was studied uh, or that was published in the JAMA, just like the chart. People on a very low calorie diet in about 24 weeks did lose a lot of weight. Not the best way to do it. Calorie restriction uh, alone did the same as calorie restriction with exercise, and then the control group did nothing. So they all lost about eight pounds. The, the restriction group alone actually lost about eight and a half, which was even better. And you'll find out why um, later. So there are different kinds of exercise modalities. As a certified personal trainer, we'll get into this, but mainly we're going to talk about the top two, endurance and strength. Um, all, and now there's going to be a uh, carousel of studies that I'm going to go through that show that after long, long studies, exercise did not cause a lot of weight loss. This is a study... Uh, very little impact on weight loss. Another study after 12 weeks, also very little impact on weight loss. At the conclusion of the study, after 16 months, also a very minimal uh, uh, weight loss. Um, another meta-analysis, 2.6 kilograms of weight loss after 30 weeks or 3, kilogram, 33 kilograms. Now, if you, if you multiply that by 2.2, you're getting somewhere in the neighborhood of 5 to 10 pounds after weeks and weeks and weeks. And then there was a study done um, where they did two years, and I think it's one of the ones I had in here. After two years, they lost nine pounds. If you just dieted properly in the first three or four weeks, you could lose nine pounds. Um, so these are some studies uh, showing that anti-obesity drugs, supplements, minerals, whatever it was, um, were, were, there was no significant improvements um, seen for these supplements. So supplements generally don't seem to work. Now, they have seen, however, that exercise helps you not gain weight back that you have already lost. And this is the study for it. You're welcome to read through it. Um, if we tell patients, instead of telling them we're going to exercise to lose weight, we're going to exercise to lower your blood pressure, lower your cholesterol, lower your diabetes, improve your insulin resistance, uh, your, you know, this, this, and that, they're more likely to adhere instead of focusing on the scale. So we are trying, so now they've, they've quantified this and said, you know what, let's just tell people that they're going to be a lot healthier instead of focusing on the weight loss from exercise, which is absolutely uh, true. And then they looked at a few things where behavior modification actually helped where you counseled patients on diet more so than anything. Um, even in the studies that showed that exercise plus diet worked, it was 0.5 to 1.1 kilograms over two years. That's one to two pounds at the most. So after two years, you finally lost maybe two pounds. Like that, that's horrible. That's really not an efficient way uh, to lose weight. And we'll get into that uh, later. Um, we can skip that one again. This is just to show that calorie restriction alone 
did the same as calorie restriction with exercise, uh, maybe even better. So th this is the components of your total daily energy expenditure. You have your basic metabolic rate, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is all of the energy that you exert walking, talking, your steps count in a day. The thermic effect of food is how much it costs in terms of calories to burn the food that you ate. Exercise activity thermogenesis is purposeful exercise. This is like you going to the gym, you hopping on a bike, you jogging, you swimming. Notice that it only makes up 5%. So even if you maximize this, you only affect 5% of your total daily energy expenditure. You can, however, affect uh, your NEAT the most as well as food. Food affects your BMR uh, the most. And this is just like a, if you weigh you know 220 pounds and you do aerobic dance for 30 minutes, you burn about 600 calories. The most seems to be running at a very fast rate. And then there are some things that are obviously a lot less. It's just an example. So if you did some of these things three days a week, you're only burning 2,900 calories, which is not enough to cause one pound of fat loss per week. So still not very good. Um, we used to think that if you exercise, the more you exercise, the more calories you burn. Total daily energy expenditure just goes up. Um, that's what we used to think. Now we know that it's called the constrained model of exercise, that that's not true. You burn, in the beginning, you'll burn a certain amount of calories, but it's capped and your body starts to take away from your NEAT um, and your BMR and other things. So you cannot just run on a treadmill for 18 hours a day and burn 10,000 calories. That's not how it works. After about the first 40 minutes, maybe an hour and a half, the amount of calories you can burn is capped. Your body adapts, has all these uh, metabolic adaptations, and you cannot burn that many more calories by continually uh, trying to exercise. And I'm not going to get into the details, but you are welcome uh, to read this. this. is by Herman Ponser. Um, he's done a lot of work in this field, multiple, multiple uh, studies on some, some of this stuff. Um, also, the other thing that we have learned is that appetite control in the obese population or overweight population is not very good. That's why they don't really know when they're full. They don't really know when they're hungry. So these are the key points and takeaways. If you're quite overweight and you start doing some activity, it will help uh, get your appetite better uh, regulated. Um, and you can read these in more detail because we don't have that much time. Um, the other thing is, is your body adapts to exercise. Like we said, you know, over time, if you if you walk on a tread, if you jog on a treadmill for 30, 40 minutes a day, every single day, the first time it's hard, you may burn more calories, but as time goes on, your body finds ways to burn less and less calories each time. Also, you become better at your cardiovascular endurance and you waste less calories and you become more efficient um, with your calories and your exercise. So we'll skip through that. Um, but this this kind of explains, this study uh, shows that most people, when they first start an exercise program, whether it's jogging, swimming, running, bodybuilding, lifting weights, whatever, they do lose some fat in the beginning for three months because it's new. It's an adaptation. But then after that, your body adapts and your weight goes back to normal or you even uh, gain all the weight back. So this kind of explains why that is. So exercise, these are kind of the... Uh, things that we've talked about. The amount of exercise you'd have to do to lose weight is time prohibitive. Burning an extra 500 calories per day would require jogging for five to six miles per day if you weigh 200 or more pounds. That could take 90 to 120 minutes. The amount of energy you can burn from physical activity is capped and constrained like we've talked about. So it's not an efficient way to burn calories. Exercise is good at keeping weight, weight that you've already lost off, but it will not help you lose uh, new weight Eating less and healthier is the key. Exercise suppresses and maybe even increases ex appetite in some people. Exercise can activate the fight or flight response and lowers cardiovascular mortality significantly. And exercise alone is ineffective for weight loss. Um, but exercise does do a lot of good things. I'm a cardiologist. Cardio is an exercise. You have to do some kind of exercise to improve all of this. Your LDL, your HDL, your blood pressure, blood sugar, all of that. It activates and does all these things, but it's not good for weight loss. And there was a study done on mortality in the Journal of the American College of Cardiology that showed a dose response to uh, exercise. And it was just very light jogging once or twice a week. It wasn't even anything. But even all-cause mortality improved. We're going to skip the fitness versus fatness part here. Cardio versus weights, both are important. But weights, if you put on some muscle, can increase your BMR. And we'll get into that. Um, we'll skip some of these. The, this, these studies have all shown that the, um, if you look at like, uh, for example, your lean body mass, aerobic exercise actually uh, reduced it while, while dieting. Um, whereas if you resistance train, you didn't lose as much. This is why we tell people if you're going to diet hard, we want you to lift weights and get enough protein so you don't lose as much body mass. Um, aerobic groups, if they 
if you just run and run and run and run, you become very, very lean and very, very thin. You become skinny fat. Um, you may not have as much uh, body mass. And your bone mineral density at the hip with aerobic exercise actually decreases more than if you added resistance training. We all know the best way to improve uh, bone density is to actually lift weights or carry heavy things. Um, but this is in a diet situation where your calorie restricted, you will lose lean body mass if you don't take steps to prevent it, which is what we'll talk about. We'll just skip some of these. This is probably not that important. So after an MI and coronary artery disease, we have found that resistance training is safe. And, you know, cardiac rehab programs are usually an aerobic type program, but they have found that the dropout rates are similar and it is very, very safe and improves body composition. So too much cardio can actually increase uh, mortality. They have found that people that do an excessive amount of cardio, these are like marathoners, ultra marathoners, people who do intense, intense, intense cardio, um, their cal coronary artery calcium score goes up, they have more arrhythmias, they have more uh, sudden death, and they have all kinds of um, metabolic derangements and a five-fold increase um, in the prevalence of atrial fibrillation, but you can read those on your own. This is from Mayo Clinic Proceedings. Um, we'll skip this one, but it shows kind of the same thing, more CAD in marathoners. Um, and obviously you lose bone mass, and we don't want to do that. Um, and, it, and if you exercise, you look younger. Um, whether especially resistance training, not just running. And the slower you lose weight, they found that the slower you lose weight, the less likely you are to lose muscle mass. And we'll get into some of those things later. Um, we will skip this one, but this kind of showed the same stuff we were talking about in terms of like um, your overall weight, how much lean body mass you lose or your body fat percentage going down. Um, very, very, uh, in, you want to add resistance training so you lose more fat than uh just weight. You want to gain muscle mass or protect it while you lose weight. So we'll, we'll skip this, but a 200-pound person, if they ran on a treadmill for three miles, they lose about 300 calories, which is the equivalent of a plain bagel with cheese. You could just stop eating a plain bagel with cheese. A 200-pound person, if they lifted weights and did squats for two minutes, could burn the same amount of calories, but it would only be two minutes instead of, you know, 40 minutes or an hour. Um, lift weights to build your metabolism and burn more calories. Obviously, we need both, and we'll get into exercise prescriptions. Um, but these are all things that help. So weight training versus cardio. Um, anyone can lift weights. Even 70 and 80-year-old patients of ours, or even you as a physician, you can lift weights, uh, but not everyone can run. It's, it's Running is not like a normal thing. You're like 30, 40 years old, and suddenly you want to start running. That's the number one cause of injuries that my uh, sports medicine doctors see. But weight training in increases your BMR, improves strength, mobility, quality of life, body composition, and functionality. All huge wins. If you... Just do cardio and diet, you'll look thin, but be skinny fat, you'll lose muscle mass and body fat. If you lift just a little bit of weights while you diet down, your body fat levels will go down, but your muscle mass will either stay the same and or go up. Um, similar situation for women. Um, the exercise prescription we talk about, including cardio and resistance training. We want to start at the appropriate intensity. If you've never done this before, just start very, very minimal. Start with more cardio in the beginning, transition to more resistance training over time. Weights increase over time. You can always increase your weights if you adapt, and you can adapt over time. Now, as a busy physician, um, you might think, well, how on earth am I going to do this? Well, look, it's first of all, you're, if you're busy and you're running around all day, you're kind of getting in your steps already. That's your cardio. One day a week, um, you can go and lift weights. Um, and if you want like a basic weightlifting program, just go to dralo.net slash exercise. You can download the PDF and program with exercise demonstrations, videos, all of that. Super easy to do. But one day a week, you want to do the least amount of exercise you can to elicit the biggest response. And one day a week, if you're doing nothing, is more than enough. In fact, probably one day a month is even more than enough if you've not done this ever before. We'll skip some of these. So is it just a matter of calories in versus calories out? Um, like I said, 97% can be achieved with diet alone. Exercise is good for you, but it's not necessary for weight loss. So the biggest problem I have with physicians um, is we always tell people diet and exercise. You tell patients the only way to lose weight is diet and exercise. Well, that's not true. The and exercise part needs to be taken out because you're giving patients a built-in excuse to think they can never lose weight because they can never exercise. I don't have time to exercise. I can't even get up. I'm 300 pounds. How do you expect me to get out of a chair? Or I can't even go to the bathroom. So stop telling patients they need to do diet and exercise. They need to do diet only. Let's get them to diet down, get off those first 5 10% of their uh, body weight, 
and then it'll be easier for them to actually get up. Their joints won't hurt. They can actually get up. They can breathe. They're not short of breath. You know, get them first started somewhere with diet and then get them to start doing some of the other stuff. Then they'll do it naturally. People like to get up and do things. They don't want to just sit on a couch all day. Um, so the question again, is it a matter of calories in versus calories out? No, it's just calories in. If you notice the chart that I showed you, the calories out part where you exercise is only 5% of your total daily energy expenditure. And once you maximize that, you're not really doing much, much more. It's constrained. You cannot increase that. So the biggest effect on your body composition, your BMR, your weight is calories in. That's diet, not the calories out, which is the exercise or activity. The case for more muscle, lots of studies on this, protects against cardiovascular mortality, protects against cancer, protects against chronic illness, shortens ICU stay. Um, I believe all the studies are um, in the footnotes for this. Um, cardiovascular risk, obesity and elevated BMI increase all inflammatory and CV risk factors. Calorie deficit and weight loss improves all CV risk factors. Micronutrient breakdown makes no difference and leaner individuals have less CV risk. Calories out, it's very difficult to change this. We kind of talked about it. You really have no way of managing it or tracking it, really. Um, use those step counters to kind of get an idea, but they're not obviously uh, very exacting. Um, body recomposition is when somebody loses fat and gains muscle at the same time. Four categories of people can do this. If you're obese and you're dieting down and lifting weights, you can gain muscle and lose fat at the same time. If you're new to training, like you took a long time off and now you're back to training, or if you're a deconditioned lifter, which is the person who was lifting and then took got, came back to lifting. The new, new to training is somebody who's never lifted before. Sorry. These are called newbie gains, somebody who's never lifted weights before. And then people who take anabolic steroids, obviously. That's kind of why they take them. So let's talk diet. I'm going to skip through these because you guys have seen these before. But over the years, we've had multiple different kinds of diets. Um, previous diets, there's all kinds of diets that people have tried. If you look at portion control diets, prepared food diets that they send you, low-carb, high-protein, liquid, Mediterranean, raw diets, glycemic index diets, intermittent fasting, elimination diets, there's all kinds of diets, all right? And I'll stress at the bottom, all diets work for some time. That's not the problem. You can do all of these or any of these, and they do work for some time, and then the body's metabolic uh, responses take over. Um, this is just a cool graphic I found online. No matter what your diet is called, uh, any of these diets that you see online or people are talking about, they all work. How? By creating a calorie deficit, the calorie deficit, calorie deficit, calorie deficit, calorie deficit. You are basically eliciting a calorie deficit somehow, and that's how they work, and we'll get into the science of it. So there's, without a question, you must be in a calorie deficit however you want to achieve it to lose weight. You can intermittent fast and only eat for a few hours a day. You can actually do a diet called one meal a day where you eat only one meal a day, OMAD, one met OMAD. You can do all kinds of things. I have uh, uh, a, uh, something called the Leslie diet where my patient asks me, Dr. Allo, what is, what is the best diet for me? I, I tell him, Mr. Leslie, the best diet for you is called the Leslie diet. You can go to my uh, YouTube and, and search for Leslie diet. But basically the best diet for patients and for you as a physician is the diet you enjoy. What you've been eating for the last 15, 20 years is what you're probably going to eat for the next 15 to 20 years. If I tell you just to eat kale and quinoa every day and you don't like kale and quinoa or Brussels sprouts or whatever it might be, you are not going to do that very long. You might do it for a few months, but you're going to not do it uh, much longer. So we want you to be able to pick something you already enjoy and stick to it. Um, and then this is a study that was from 2007. Fat loss depends on energy deficit only, independently of the method for weight loss. Diet alone or diet combined with aerobic training, no matter what, the only thing that mattered was the calorie deficit. And the conclusion, independent of the method for weight loss, the negative energy balance alone is responsible for weight reduction. So regardless of what else you do, if you are in a calorie deficit, you are going to lose weight. No question about it. Another study, if you keep calories and protein the same, it makes no difference if you eat a very low carb or a low fat diet, you still lose the same amount of weight. When you control calories like an isocaloric diet and you control for protein to protect lean body mass um, and stimulate fat loss, you will get the same amount of overall uh, weight loss. No question about it. You know, this has been proven now and studied time and time again. So what is this? These are called Twinkies. Um, there was something called the Twinkie Diet. Head of nutrition at Kansas State University, Dr. Mark Haub, he was eating lunch in the lunchroom with his uh, colleagues, and they saw him eating a Twinkie. They're like, "Hey, what are you doing?" I thought we thought you were on a diet. He's like, "Yeah, I'm on a diet. You know, 
I can eat Twinkies and still lose weight. They're like, no, you can't. So he did for the next 10 weeks, ate 1,800 calories a day, but did make sure he got 100 grams of protein a day. Um, he did drink like a shake, and that was 400, uh, obviously, calories. But the other 1,400 calories were all Twinkies, Doritos, Oreos, Debbie Snacks, whatever. Lost 27 pounds in 10 weeks with a 20% reduction in LDL, HDL, went up 20%, tried to strides down 39%. All the inflammatory markers improved, um, which are these. And regardless, this once again just proves, and there are tons of studies on this. This isn't just like a study of one person. If you're eating the correct amount of calories, he was eating 2,600 before, and he cut down to 1,800. Severe deficit, but that's why I lost so much weight so quickly. But if you cut your calories that much, and you're, it doesn't matter what you're eating, you're going to lose weight. Um, comparison of weight loss diets with different compositions of fat, protein, and carbohydrates. The conclusion, reduced calorie diets result in clinically meaningful weight loss regardless of which macronutrients they emphasize. And we've seen this time and time again, and all the links are obviously in here. Another one, the specific composition of macronutrients, fat, protein, and carbohydrates in diets isn't important for the cardiovascular risk reduction as long as the diet is effective in causing weight loss. So regardless, if the diet caused weight loss, your inflammatory markers, cardiovascular risk, all that stuff uh, improved. And there's tons and tons of studies on this now as well. Another one, very low carb versus isocaloric carbohydrate diet in dietary obese rats. Obviously, it's a rat study, but it has been replicated in humans as well. When energy intake was matched, the very low carb, high fat diet provided no advantage in weight loss or improving those components of the metabolic syndrome induced by dietary obesity may delay loss of hepatic and visceral fat as compared with the... Um, high-carb, low-fat diet. Um, another one, no difference in body weight decrease between a low glycemic index and a high glycemic index diet, but reduce some LDL, blah, blah, blah. This study does not support the contention that low-fat, low-glycemic index diets are more beneficial than high-glycemic index diets with regards to appetite or body weight regulation. So, and, there, and this has been done over and over again. This was the first study, but they've replicated it multiple times now where they feed people tons of like high-fructose corn syrup uh, instead of whatever lower, you know, uh, glycemic index food. And there was no difference in weight loss or inflammatory markers or cardiovascular risk markers if they uh, had the same amount of calories and both lost weight. So we'll skip some of these. You already know these. Uh, this study provides no evidence to support an effect of reduced glycemic index diet on satiety, energy intake, or body weights in overweight obese women. Claims that the GI of the diet per se may have specific effects on body weight may therefore be misleading. Another one, um, the keto, ketogenic low-carbohydrate diets, uh, no advantage over non-keto uh, low-carbohydrate diets. And you can read these. I'm just going to skip through these. Do the commercial programs work or do they just cost money? With the exception of Weight Watchers, most of these programs just cost money and don't work. Do dietary supplements work? Um, they do not. And nothing you can buy uh, will help you lose weight. There are medications that we can prescribe. Obviously, we'll get into those. Um, the healthiest diet is the Mediterranean diet. It reduces mortality, cardiovascular disease, as well as many cancers. And you can read those. Um, it improves other... Uh, oh, here's another study. A randomized trial comparing low-fat and low-carbohydrate uh, diets matched for energy and protein. Our results showed no significant weight loss, lipid serum, insulin, or glucose differences between the two uh, diets. So cardiovascular risk, and I'm kind of just through the... Uh, Regardless of what macronutrient breakdown you use, if you are losing weight, all of your cardiovascular markers and factors improve. And what about red meat? I get asked this a lot. I'm a cardiologist, obviously. So they have found, the current data suggests that the amount of excess body weight or to the degree of adiposity may mediate the relations between dietary red and processed meat intake and serum biomarkers associated with obesity and inflammation. If you are overweight, the amount of red meat and saturated fat will affect cardiovascular risk. So they found that if you are leaner, you, you can get away with more saturated fat. Obviously, saturated fat directly correlates with heart attacks and strokes, no question about it, because it raises because of your LDL. And we know that under an LDL under 57, uh, there's no, no cardiovascular mortality. And eating saturated fat increases it. So they have found that if you're leaner, you can get away with a little more saturated fat intake than somebody who's obese. The interplay of the adiposity and the inflammatory milieu, that because adipose tissue is very inflammatory, you have higher inflammatory markers just from the fat itself. So that inflammatory milieu plus saturated fat and red meat raising LDL is what causes all of these uh, problems. Again, a cohort study examined the relationship between uh, red meat, BMI, and inflammatory markers. They did, in, <coughs> excuse me, they did indeed find that red meat intake was associated with markers of inflammation. However, when they corrected for the differences in BMI, the association between red meat and inflammatory markers were no longer significant, while the association between BMI and inflammation were. So 
if you are overweight, red meat is going to harm you. If you are pretty lean, uh, you'll be fine. A similar thing here. I'm just going to skip this, but basically it's a huge study of almost 500,000 people in the UK. Similar findings in terms of red meat and, and you know, all that. No, and then here's another one. Long-term weight maintenance and cardiovascular risk factors are not different following weight loss on carbohydrate-restricted diets, higher in either monounsaturated fat, protein, or B-cyprinosine for men and women. You can read this, but there was no difference in CV risk factors between the two groups. They were testing, you know, if different foods and different things helped. If they lost weight, they were good. The Finland study, one of my favorite studies ever. The country of Finland um, had the highest mortality per 100,000 in the world. Um, back in the late 60s and 70s, they had about 700 deaths per 100,000. So the country said, hey, this is messed up. We got to fix this. So they started something called the North Karelia Project. This is a city up there that was rural. People ate tons of saturated fat, lard, butter, whatever it was. They reduced their saturated fat intake. And they had an 82 to 84% reduction in uh, cardiovascular mortality. Um, and you can read... Uh, the details of saturated fat intake was reduced from 23% of total calories to less than 10%. This accounted for 40% of the reduction in cardiovascular mortality. It was an 84% reduction. The saturated fat reduction was 40% of it. The reduction in blood pressure was the most. Smoking and obesity didn't really change that much. In fact, more people are obese and then the same amount of people smoked. It really didn't change. Um, conclusions are, we kind of talked about this, obesity and elevated BMI increase all inflammatory markers, calorie deficit and weight loss improve all cardiovascular markers, the macronutrient breakdown makes no difference, leaner individuals have less CV risk and can get away with more red meat, protein is very important to protect lean body mass satiety and cause fat loss. So yo-yo dieting is horrible because you lose lean mass and then when you gain it back, you gain back more fat mass and you don't gain back your lean mass as much. Um, the diet after the diet makes it harder and harder to lose weight. Um, when you when you regain uh, calories, it makes it harder and harder. And this is a rat study, but they found this in humans too. It's more and more difficult. It becomes harder and harder to lose weight, and then you regain weight twice as fast on the next round. Why diets fail? There's lots of reasons, but here's kind of the main ones. This is Dr. Uh, George Blackburn from Harvard wrote a nice book. I, I like his book, talking about the set point and um, how to break through it. I'm not going to get into the details. Um, the biggest battle uh, is in, in weight loss is the fight to keep it off. And there's something called metabolic adaptation. I'll see if we have time to get into that. Um, metabolic adaptation is your total daily energy expenditure, resting net metabolic rate, or basic metabolic rate goes down and can stay low for a very long time, years sometimes. The Biggest Loser contestants had it still after six years. You are genetically programmed. It, uh, metabolic adaptation is a genetically programmed self-defense mechanism to ward off starvation and enhance weight gain and storage and reduces the chance of future diet success and enhances future weight regain. You do, however, have a buffer of about two to 300 calories. If you're supposed to eat about 2,000 calories to maintain your weight, if you eat 200 less and or 200 more, you're going to stay about the same. Your body will play with your NEAT. It can increase or lower your NEAT as needed. NEAT is your fidgeting, moving, walking, step count, etc. Keys to fat loss. This is very, very important. When you decide to do a diet and cut your calories, you need to keep your calories as high as possible while still in a calorie deficit. So if you can lose weight at 2,000 calories, don't drop it to 1,200. No reason to do that because if you can lose weight at 2,000 and you get stuck eventually, which you will, we can drop it to 1,800 and then you'll start losing again. But if you drop to 1,200 right away, right off the bat, and now you get stuck, what, are we can drop it to 800, 900? It's very, very, very low. When your body adapts to 1,200, it's very hard to get back out of that. Um, the slower and more maintained weight loss protects your lean body mass. The slower, the better. So don't try to like lose a ton of weight really, really quickly. Make it like a one-year or two-year project. Don't lower fat too much, although your, your, your body can still make hormones. You do want to keep your fat you know, somewhere reasonable. Don't crash diet. You do need a calorie deficit. You need to keep your protein high. Strength train hard because it sends a signal to your body that we do need these muscles. When you're in a calorie deficit, your body's going to get rid of lean mass and fat mass, more fat mass, hopefully. One way to protect that is to eat enough protein and do some strength training so your body knows that it needs those muscles and we don't need to get rid of them. Um, there's something called refeeds that we will get into and diet breaks that are longer than refeeds. Um, we'll try to get into some of that depending on the time here. Um, intermittent energy restriction. Uh, improves weight loss efficiency in obese men. It's called the Matador study. This is a fairly recent study. This is um, 
like like I was talking about earlier here, a, a diet break. When you take a diet break, you're more likely to be adherent. Like, and then what they did is they took people and they had them they had to do uh, 16 weeks of either continuous calorie deficit or they take two weeks off uh, every two weeks. Um, and they end up doing uh, the same length calorie deficit, but obviously took twice as long in the second group. Greater weight and fat loss was achieved with intermittent energy restriction, interrupting energy restriction with energy balance or rest periods, may reduce compensatory metabolic responses and in turn improve weight loss efficiency. So people that took a diet break and increased their calories back up to maintenance level, they were able to not metabolically adapt, first of all, which is very hard to get out of, and they improved weight loss efficiency, protected lean body mass, and didn't lose as much muscle. So the key points, I'll let you guys read through these, but it's kind of like what I just said. So people who've lost weight and kept it off, all of the studies are listed here, but they've had some kind of cognitive restraint, um, whether it's calorie counting or eating between a certain amount of hours or whatever it is, eating certain food groups or eliminating food groups. There's some kind of cognitive restraint, self-monitoring, whether that's with a scale or a calorie counting app or something. They incorporate regular exercise, not because the exercise itself caused the weight loss, but because it kept them on track. They had good habits. They incorporated it into their life. Um, and they were able to stick to structured programs. Like, you know, every day at 5 a.m. I'm going to the gym or um, every day at lunch I'm doing this, whatever it might be. And they had ability to focus on long-term goals. So what happens when you hit a plateau? You want to reduce your calories slightly, fat or carbs, not protein. You want to keep protein exactly the same. Um, and you want to maybe try to increase your activity slightly, and these are some numbers, and these are relative to your current activity level. The problem with us is our life revolves around food. I always tell my patients, eat to live, don't live to eat. So what causes weight gain? I'm not going to get into this, but you guys all know this. You're all physicians. It's a complicated interplay. Ghrelin is the hunger hormone, and encretins are in the bowels leptin is made in adipose tissue. The more adipose tissue you have, the more hungry you are. And these are some of the reasons why... Um, people who are obese, appetite dysregulation is huge. Now, there are lots of medications that cause weight gain as a side effect. Biggest one here is paroxetine as an antidepressant, but you can look through these. A lot of these medications we prescribe for our patients, and they can cause weight gain. Um, there are some medications that can cause weight loss as a side effect, and they are listed here uh, as well. If you take a look at these medications, lots of my patients are on obviously the cardiac ones and some of yours may be on some of the others. These are the general medications that we have nowadays for uh, weight loss. I'm sure you guys have seen these. Xenical is, uh, you, in, in some states like Ohio, for example, you have a BMI of over 30 or a BMI of 27 with one risk factor. Xenical is Orlistat, you guys know this, it prevents fat absorption. Um, not the best weight loss. Um, Adipex is fentramine, one of the best medications. It's generic, so it's super cheap. In some states, it's highly controlled. It ramps up your metabolism, causes fat loss, suppresses appetite, all of that. The problem is in Ohio and maybe some other states, you can only be on it three months at a time. Then you got to take six months off, and then you can go back on it. Um, Cosimia is a combination of fentramine and Topamax. This works together, but in Ohio, because they're lower doses, it's not... Uh, uh, Control. You can be on it uh, indefinitely, not just three months. Um, Bontril is older, sort of works like uh, fentramine. Contrave is a combination of bupropion and naltrexone. Both of these knock out the reward center in your brain. That's why when you put people on Wellbutrin, sometimes they stop smoking or their appetite suppresses and they lose a bunch of weight. They kind of work together. Saxenda, Victoza, Ozempic, Rebelsis are all these GLP-1 agonists. They work phenomenally well. Semaglutide has been in the news big time. Uh, because of the, the most recent studies. This is that study. Now, people don't understand this study, and they're just blabbering about it online. Oh, you know, why should we put people on drugs to make them lose weight? We should have them exercise and diet. This study is that. They exercised and dieted, and this group, the control group, did not get semaglutide. They got exercise and diet, and they did lose weight. 8% uh, change from baseline. The group that did get the medicine lost over 16%, 17-ish, 18-ish down here, but ended at a close to 16%. So this was that study. And these are, like I said, these drugs here, the Ozempic, Rebelsis, Liraglutide, or Victoza, and then eventually Victoza was rebranded as uh, Saxenda, or the weight loss version of it. Um, but either way, they're expensive, um, but they can work if they're also like diabetic or have metabolic issues. I'm not going to go into the details of this. This is the details of the semaglutide study. 
You can read that again. But they did exercise. That's kind of the point of the study. It wasn't just, let's just put people on a medication and see what happens. No, they did both exercise and diet. Um, so we'll skip that. So the biggest thing I tell patients is, first of all, you need to learn to diet. I'm not going to put you on any medications. And you two physicians, same thing. You're not going to be on any medication unless you diet. If you diet properly, you start tracking calories, show me some results. Lose 5, 10, 15, 20 pounds on your own. And then when they do that, a lot of times they're like, oh, you know what, doc, I'm doing good. I don't need anything. So good. If you can lose the weight uh, on your own and you don't need anything, then fine. You, uh, We don't need to put you on medications. In Ohio, at least we try to maximize a short amount of time on drugs. If you need the medication, we will put you on it for the shortest amount of time as possible. They need to be followed up once a month. Social support systems help. Phone apps like MyFitnessPal really helps. They need to be given resources, weigh-ins, and accountability. I will tell you that in the 15 years that I've been practicing now, I've maybe only put two or three people on Adipex or any of these medications. Um, the goals of a perfect diet is to be cheap, easy to use, doesn't require a master's degree, doesn't rely on fads, not dangerous, safe, healthy, you know, all that stuff. And, and the most important to me is not restrictive. You're not going to follow a diet if I tell you to eat kale and quinoa and that's it. So what do we tell patients? And this is what I'm going to tell you as doctors. If you came to me as a patient, hey, Dr. Allo, you're the weight loss doctor. How do I lose weight? What do I do? This is what you do. Eat what you've been eating for the last 20 to 30 years. It just has to be a lot less. Um, track with an app if you are savvy. If you're not, don't want to use an app, cut your plate in half. I always tell people, cut your food in half. Here's your plate. Cut it in half and wait 20 minutes. See if you're still hungry. If you are, go back and eat a little bit more. Don't feel bad if you mess up. That's, you know, you're going to have, a, you'll end up having a very bad relationship with food and exercise if you do that. If you mess up, just move on. Adjust your calories over time. If you're not losing weight, lower your calories a little bit. But you still want to eat the most amount of calories you can while still losing weight. Um, the next thing is start moving. If, you're, if your NEAT is very, very low, let's say your step counter is saying that you're only doing 2,000 steps a day, we'll try to get to 4,000 the next week. And then 6,000 and send that we tell people that like if you look at the studies that shows about 7,500 steps a day is considered active So try to get to at least that um, And then what you want to do here's the magic keep doing this for the next 20 uh, Years or more. This is not like a quick fix anything if you want to lose 30 pounds in 30 days We can cut your leg off. You know, we have that that's how you do it You don't want to the faster you lose the weight the more likely you are losing lean muscle mass and the faster You're gonna gain it all back which is idiotic. You don't want to do that. So here's how you calculate your calories. You take your weight uh, times 12 to 14, which is your maintenance calories. Weight times 10 is usually what most people need for a deficit. Um, so if you're 200 pounds, 24, 2800 calories usually will keep you there. Times 10, about 2000 calories should cause weight loss. You want to get enough protein to preserve lean body mass, usually 0.7 to 1.6 pounds per protein. Uh, grams per pound of body mass. So that should put most people between 140 and 320 if you're 200 pounds. Now I tell most most women somewhere between 80 and 150, maybe 160 is enough. For most men, 120 to about 180 is more than enough. Unless you're like six foot four, monstrous and super, you know, hugely muscular, then you'll need 200, maybe 240. Um, the rest can be any combination of carbs and fat. So as long as you're getting your, your, your calories at 2000, 140, 160 grams of protein a day, and then the rest can be any combination of fat or uh, carbs you want. Again, um, protein being high helps with satiety and is likely what causes more weight loss on higher protein diets. Calories out, like we said, very, very difficult to control, so stop trying. Body recomposition we talked about. Use my fitness pal. I would say set up an account, put in your data. Don't connect it to a fitness tracker. The amount of calories you burn, you use, you burn should not be eaten back. If it tells you to eat 2,000 calories a day, and you connect a fitness tracker that thinks you burn 200, it's going to tell you you can eat 2,200 that day. Don't do that. Um, adjust your calories to your goal. I usually set it up for my patients and clients to be a 40-40-20 protein, carbs, and fat breakdown. So you, it, for most people, this should get your protein up to the right number. Start tracking for four weeks. Weigh daily. Adjust up or down. Don't adjust up or down radically. If you're eating 2,000 calories a day and you're gaining weight, drop it to 19 or 1850. If you're eating 2,000 calories a day and you're losing weight too fast, then up it. If you're eating 2,000 calories a day and you're losing about half a pound to a pound and a half per week, that's perfect. You want to lose about 0.5 to 1.5% of your total body weight every week. Some pictures of my fitness pal. If you're not losing weight, start weighing in grams and entering it that way. Um, it'll work. 
the diet after the diet is the most important. Your new maintenance calories are a lot lower. If you used to weigh 240 pounds and now you weigh 140 pounds, your maintenance calories are no longer 300, 3,500. They're probably more like 18 or 2,100, something like that. So don't go back to eating the way you were. You can increase your calories back up to maintenance. Um, if you're metabolically adapted or whatever it is, we're getting that's not kind of out of the scope of this lecture, but you can reverse diet, slowly increase your calories over time to increase your BMR. Let's say you got down to 1,400 calories a day. That's no way to live for any man or woman. You want to get back up to at least 18 or 2,000. Add 100 calories every two weeks for the next month or month or two maybe three months to try to get your calories back up to something reasonable so you're eating what a normal human would eat your muscles will take up glycogen and water so you will gain about five to eight pounds but then it should level off so if you were like at 150 you might get up to 158 but then it should stop there it shouldn't go any higher you'll, you'll level off there and you'll you'll you can eat more calories if you uh if you're if you rapidly drop your uh, calories, your body fat also drops quickly, and your total daily expenditure drops quickly. But then, if you increase your calories quickly, too quickly, the overfeeding, rapid overfeeding, you will gain fat quickly. If you do it stepwise, you won't gain as much fat. You can keep your fat at bay. So this is part of like the reverse dieting that we talk about in the kind of bodybuilding industry, and the science proves it out. My favorite macro calculator is the Macros Inc. one. If you go to this website, you can get it. Um, they also have a wonderful Facebook page with lots and lots of resources. My favorite weight loss book is Dr. Lane Norton's book. If I had to recommend one book to my patients or you guys as physicians, I would recommend this. Tons and tons of studies. Very reasonable. No crazy restrictive diets and very, very good stuff. I also like Melody Schoenfeld and Susan Kleiner's book. This is a, not really like a weight loss book or a diet book, but it does go through all the diets and the research behind them and kind of why they work. So other than my books, these are the two that I recommend, um, but I'll give you mine in a second. Golden fat loss pyramid. Most important thing is a calorie deficit and then protein intake, lift weights to protect your lean body mass, get some good sleep so you're not stressed and then do some cardio if you want to um, for your health, obviously. Uh, fat loss fundamentals, non-negotiable is a calorie deficit, highly advisable is make sure you're getting enough protein, resistance training, etc. Stuff that most people don't need to worry about, what is the best diet, calorie cycling, blah, 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 crazy stuff. Stuff that you can just throw out the window, cheat meals, juice cleanses, weight loss tea bags, you know, crazy stuff. Um, how to destroy your diet, you're eating 1800 calories a day every day, but on the weekend you eat 3500, suddenly you're eating 2300 and you're no longer losing weight because you needed actually 1800. Again, as we saw this already, you want to lose weight um, and, 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 and you want to lose fat, not weight. So the green line is fat. You are losing fat every day, regardless of what the scale says. You weigh yourself every day. It's going to be fluctuating up and up and down. So don't freak out. You are losing weight if you're following all this. We can skip this. The appendix here, you can go through these, but these are articles demonstrating that weight loss depends on energy balance only which is calories, and that macronutrient composition does not matter at all. Um, we can, this is a, a meta-analysis of uh, low-fat diet versus uh, low-carbohydrate diet. Nearly every study showed uh, low-fat diet worked better. Um, articles demonstrating that proteins, fats, have a greater thermic effect of food than fat. Articles demonstrating that while sugar intake has decreased over the years, obesity continues to rise. Articles demonstrating that the biggest contributor to the increase in caloric intake over the years has been fat, not sugar, along with the graph showing the composition of diets from 1970 compared to 2010. Articles demonstrating that the difference in glycemic load do not affect weight loss or weight gain when calories are equated. And articles demonstrating that low-carb diets do not cause more weight loss than low-fat, high-carb diets when calories and protein are equated. Articles demonstrating that insulin levels do not predict weight gain. Articles showing that overfeeding carbohydrates or fats are both equally fattening in humans. Um, this is an article showing that non-nutritive sweeteners like Splenda or Equal or whatever, zero-calorie sweeteners cause more weight loss than when compared to water. Uh, it's a very well-done study. You can look at it later. These, this is how you find me. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. This is my YouTube channel, DrAll.tv, DrAll.net. This is my email. Feel free to email me. These are my books. This is an evidence weight, evidence-based weight loss book full of all these research articles and explanations. This is a book for like lay people. This is not for doctors, although most of my doctor's friends did uh, buy it and love it. But it's a book going through all the research studies, kind of like we did now, but not so like speeding through it and going crazy. You can also buy it on Amazon. 
by the time this airs, pre-order sales uh, should be there and it should deliver in mid-March. Um, and then this is my calorie-based weight loss book. So this is really, really cool. It's pretty, pretty unique. You take your weight times 10. If you're 200 pounds, that's 2,000. You go to the 2,000 calorie chapter. There's all, The chapters are broken down by calories. So you go to the 2,000 calorie chapter, you make all those foods and you lose weight. There's a breakfast, lunch, dinner, and sometimes a dessert or snack. You make those foods and you lose weight. The best part is every single chapter has enough protein to protect lean body mass. So because I'm a bodybuilder, you want to protect lean body mass and, and I want my patients not to lose muscle. I want them to lose just fat because muscle is very, very protective and improves cardiovascular mortality. The other cool, neat thing about this book is that it's all heart healthy. Um, there's almost no saturated fat. It's all heart healthy, very nutritious, very flavorful. There is a bonus chapter in the beginning, which is my 90 gram protein smoothie shake. It's incredibly delicious. And there's an amazing chapter at the end. It's some of my mom's favorite recipes. Uh, she got kind of mad at me for sharing them. But those are our secret family recipes. Really, really, really cool, uh, neat book. And I believe that is the end of our time. I know I flew through a lot of this, but we hit the 50-minute mark almost exactly. We flew through a lot of this, but this has all been researched. A lot of people, you know, get online and you read all the stuff and you see all the stuff about carbohydrates and insulin and keto diets and there's no way to lose weight. And I've had these arguments with doctors at other conferences. Like we literally had conferences where we'd be on stage having this debate. There is no debate, folks. The science is clear. You want to do a keto diet and it fits into your lifestyle and you like those foods and you can do it for a very, very long time. Feel free doing that. You want to do intermittent fasting and it fits your schedule? Go ahead. It makes no difference. As long as you're in a calorie deficit and you can maintain it for a very, very, very long time, that is totally fine. And then start with some kind of activity. Um, eventually, once you lose some weight and you're able to do things without injuring yourself, start with walking, start with jogging, start with you know being further, you know, parking further away, increase your needs, increase your step counts, so like at least 7,500, and then it start adding weight training. Weight training protects muscle mass, may even increase muscle mass, reduces cardiovascular mortality, um, and all those things. Um, don't start running just out of the blue because you're gonna injure yourself. And honestly, folks, that's all I got for you. These, like I said, are all the different ways to get a hold of me. These are my four uh, really cute kids. They're a little bit older now. But these are all different ways of getting a hold of me. And thank you for having me, White Cone Investor uh, Conference. I love this. And if you guys have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me either this way or in the chat here. I, I, if I'm here live, that would be awesome. Otherwise, I had some kind of cardiac emergency that I had to run, run to. Thank you guys very much. And uh, I look forward to meeting all of you one by one.